Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Many people wonder why the Bible gives us four historical accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. One of the reasons is that each of the four Gospels portrays Christ in a unique aspect. For example, Matthew, a book on the kingdom of God, reveals Christ in his kingship. Luke shows us Christ's perfect and upright humanity as a genuine man. John, on the other hand, stresses the eternal, uncreated life of God as it is revealed in Christ. John is the gospel of Christ's divinity. Then what about Mark? Well, chapter 10, 45 gives us a clue. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Mark is wonderful in that it uniquely reveals that Christ laid aside his kingship, his status as God, and even his position as a high and honored man to become God's servant and eventually to become a slave to all mankind, giving his life as a ransom for many. Bob Danker has joined us, our second program in this Life Study of the Gospel of Mark. And, uh, Bob, we have a rare treat, I think, in this particular Life Study, don't we? And I think we just are getting a taste in the first program, and we certainly will have that extended today, I believe. Yes, Chris, it's wonderful to have this view of Christ as a slave or as the servant of God, serving God faithfully and even serving us to carry out in us and for us God's Wonderful salvation. This is all for the accomplishing of God's eternal plan. God needs such a slave, Christ, Jesus Christ, to carry out what he planned in eternity past. It's wonderful to see the different aspects of Christ portrayed in all these Gospels. Christ is a king. That means he's the highest person. And then also he's a slave, which means he's the lowliest person. This is an indication of the all-inclusiveness of Christ, and Christ is the greatest factor in the accomplishing of God's eternal purpose. Because there's such a wonderful one as Jesus Christ, we can have the assurance that God's purpose and plan will be fully carried out. This is really consistent, Bob, but it just takes, I think, putting the pieces together, which is what so frequently we are given in this ministry. But everybody realizes, of course, in Revelation, we see Christ as the Alpha and the Omega. And I thought of that as you were saying. He was the greatest, the highest, but also the lowest. Uh, He really spans the breadth of humanity so that none are left out of his uh, accomplished blessing and uh, redemptive work, and then the promise of life that we have in him. Marvelous, Chris. It really is. Bob, in this program today particularly, we're going to see, I think, a very delightful linkage between 
the Gospel of Mark, this New Testament gospel, revealing Christ as the slave, as the servant, and an Old Testament book full of rich prophecy concerning Christ. That, of course, is the prophet Isaiah's book. And a number of passages really depict Christ prophetically in this aspect of his being a slave and a servant, doesn't it? That's right. Isaiah's prophecy really portrays Christ as God's servant, God's slave. In fact, in Isaiah 42.1, we see this verse. It says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. So here, Christ being the one that God has chosen, the one in whom God delights, was chosen to be a servant. All right, let's join Witness Lee. Uh, We'll see some other wonderful passages, I think, that people will recognize from Isaiah uh, as we go on today. And Witness Lee will help us through this uh, wonderful connection between Isaiah and Mark. The subject of uh, this gospel is a slave of God as the slave savior of sinners. Tonight, our main job is to take care of all the items prophesied in Isaiah concerning these slave of Jehovah to be our slave savior. Isaiah 42 tells us these slave Jesus Christ was God's choice. God selected him from billions of human beings. He was God's choice. Then growing up before God, listen, as a tender plant, just a, a tender sprout. If you read Rogue chapter 2, you could see he was growing there just like a tender plant. And as he root out of dry ground, you know, he was raised up in a poor carpenter's home in the despised town of Nazareth and of that despised province, Galilee. That is the dry ground, like a root. Out of a dry ground, having no form nor comeliness, physical. Nor beauty, physical beauty, that man should desire him. He was despised, rejected by men, He was a man of sorrows, even acquainted with grief. Now, his visage being so marred more than any man, and his uh, form also disfigured more than the sins of man. You know, marred here means spoiled. By the way, let me say a word. You know, I forgot in what century that a very artistic painter made that picture of Jesus. So, so pretty. That is (laughs) a false thing. And today, millions of Christians have that picture in their home. And some did worship that picture. You read the picture recorded in the Bible. Jesus didn't have such a pretty face. Rather, his visage was marred. 
disfigured. Well, Bob, this is uh, not what people are used to thinking about or certainly not used to hearing. Uh, Our sort of mental picture is of this quite lovely person, this lovely figure, this lovely visage, to quote the uh, the passage here. But these portions in Isaiah 52 and 53 really present a different picture, don't they? They certainly do, Chris. We would expect, and many would expect, that if a person comes out to be God's slave, God's servant, then he would be quite an attractive one, even outwardly attractive. Yeah. And even today, I think, uh, if we are aware of the situation, we realize many of those who present themselves as God's servants do try to present a very outwardly attractive image. Mm -hmm. But here we have a very different picture of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Under God's choice, by God's uh, design, I would say, the Lord as a man was not outwardly attractive. God did not want a servant to serve him in an outward way, one who could attract people because of his beautiful appearance or handsome face or some kind of outward characteristic. Actually, the beauty of the Lord Jesus is nothing outward. Mm. It's altogether his inner being. The fact is he is the very God incarnated to live on the earth as a man, a beautiful human life that expresses God, not with an outwardly attractive form, but with the inwardly beautiful virtues, Mm. the divine attributes expressed in the human virtues of a man. This is the beauty of Jesus, and this is why we love him, because he is uh, such an attractive one in this way. So this shows that because the Lord was not comely outwardly, Isaiah 52, verses 14 and 15, these are the verses that refer to here about his visage or the appearance of his face being disfigured. These verses say that when people saw him, they were astonished, and they were surprised to see such a one. Not outwardly attractive, but he is God's servant. He's the one who came to serve God. Mm. You know, um, even this portion uh, in 53, like a root out of dry ground, he has no attracting form nor majesty that we should look upon him nor beautiful appearance that we should desire him. Not only, Bob, did he come in this low way, this low estate, carpenter's son, you know, surely a lower class in terms of social position. He came to Galilee, a rejected, despised region. He was from Nazareth, another rejected and despised city in a rejected, despised region as a lowly one. I mean, his putting off of all of the outward high things was complete, wasn't it? It was 100%. Absolutely, Chris. I really appreciate your reference to Isaiah 53 here. When the Lord came, and of course the Lord is God himself, coming to be a man, he did not come in a majestic way. We all know, and we realize God is full of majesty. Right. But when he came to this earth in human form, he laid aside all the majesty. Outwardly, everything was in the lowliest possible situation. He came to a despised region, was a son of a carpenter, as you mentioned. No outwardly attractive form or appearance. This is astonishing. Mm. This is not what we would expect. The highest person in the universe should come in a majestic way. (laughs) Perhaps we think if Christ had come in that way, many would have followed him. 
They would have been attracted to the outward majesty, but this is absolutely not God's way. Bob, let's carry on in Isaiah. We're jumping around a little bit in Isaiah. Uh, We're not taking these verses in particular order, but this is the order that Witness Lee presented this in his order. It was quite wonderful. And 42 now, Isaiah 42, a couple of verses, 3 and 4. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning flax he will not extinguish. He will bring forth justice in truth. Verse 4. He will not faint, nor will he be discouraged. Here's Witness Lee once again. Not breaching a bruised reed, and not quenching a dimly burning flax. You know, a reed in ancient time was used as a pipe to uh, give music. But when such a reed was bruised, people would just break it and throw it away. But the Lord Jesus would not break such a person. A flax, burning flax, in ancient time, they don't have today's light. They use the oil uh, lamp, uh, yet they have uh, the flax uh, with oil burning for the, their night work. And sometimes this flax short of uh, oil, then it gives smoke, and the light it gives becomes dim. So here it says, a dimly burning flax. And such a one, the Lord Jesus would not quench. You see, these are figures of speech. Some people of God are just like a bruised reed uh, without good voice uh, to give. And some are just like uh, a dimly burning flax, not much light. You see, yet the Lord Jesus would not break these bruised uh, read nor quench uh, this kind of a dimly burning flesh. Then, about himself, he himself not fainting as a dimly burning flesh. And he himself not being crushed as the bruised reed. Very meaningful. This is the prophecy given by Isaiah. 700 years before Christ. You see, we need this help in order we can realize what can slave is recorded in Mark. The slave recorded in Mark was prophesied in Isaiah already. Bob, I'm getting such a, an appreciation for the Bible. Um, how this book of Isaiah helps us to really enter into, in a complete way, a book such as Mark. Without the detail we're seeing in Isaiah, we really would not have the right appreciation, would we? That's right. We need the details portrayed in this book, this wonderful prophecy concerning Christ. In this section, there's just wonderful portrayal of the Lord as a slave of God. Here, it says that he would not quench the flax that is dimly burning, nor would he break a reed that was bruised. These two things, the burning flax and the reed, are a reference to God's chosen people. Some of God's people are like the dimly burning flax Mm -hmm. and the bruised reed. But here it says that the Lord would not quench those who cannot shine brightly, (laughs) and he would not break those who are bruised. This is marvelous. Here, the reed is uh, 
a kind of a musical instrument to give a sound. Right. So if a reed is broken, it cannot give a beautiful sound. Right. I was thinking that many people who are strong easily despise and discard, I would say, those who are weaker. Right. But the Lord, as the slave of God, even though he was always shining brightly and was always strong and never broken, he would never quench the ones who don't shine brightly, and he would not break those who cannot give a beautiful sound. Instead, he would carry out God's purpose in all these weaker ones until they are brightly shining and until they are able to give off the beautiful musical sounds of the speaking forth of the gospel Mm -hmm. of all the virtues of Christ. Boy, you know, it takes uh, Christ in all these aspects, the aspects we see in the four gospels, to really become the savior of all mankind. So even those of us who are this smoking flax, right, and these bruised reeds are not left out. We're included in his full salvation. Marvelous. Bob, the New Testament, in addition to Mark, also shows us this aspect, and we want to finish today uh, with this passage from Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider being equal with God a treasure to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, becoming in the likeness of men. Here's Witness Lee for our final segment. After his ascension, Paul, in his writing, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, he related to us how this Jesus was a slave, subsisting in the form of God. Jesus existed and lived in the form of God, yet not regarding equality with God as a thing to be grasped. This means even though he existed and lived in the form of God, yet he would not hold on to this. So he came down to be a man. Then emptying himself... He emptied his position, he emptied his glory, he emptied all the kind of things related to his Godhead. Of course, he never emptied his Godhead. You see, he emptied all the things to come to be a man and taking the form of a slave, becoming in the likeness of man. He became a man in the likeness of man. Then he was a slave in the form of a slave. When he was about 12, he came to Jerusalem and so forth. By that time, was he a man or a slave? Surely you have to consider him as a man. But when he came out to minister... He came out as a slave. At least at one juncture, at one time, if you saw him there, he was a slave. What juncture? When he was washing his disciples' feet. If you went in and you saw him, he was in the form of a slave. Could you see this? 
he became a man eventually. He came out in the form of a slave. You know, when the disciples were arguing who would be the greater, then he told them, look at me. I came to serve as a slave, even at the cost of my life given for them to be ransomed. So when he acted in his ministry, he was acting in the form of a slave. Well, this is just an introduction and preparation for all of us to get into this excellent book. Bob, we opened the program talking about these uh, four aspects of Christ that are depicted in the four Gospels. Uh, Listening to this, it strikes me that not only are these uh, depictions of Christ that are revealed to us, but they're also a depiction of our inheritance in Christ. These things, his kingship, his proper humanity, even an aspect of divinity, and his portraying the life of a serving one, of a slave— these also are to be our portion, aren't they, as we see in his example to the disciples here, even in the foot washing. Yes, Chris, that is a marvelous thing, that this very one who served God as a slave now dwells within us, and he is our life, yeah. and he is imparting himself into us day by day so that we can live out the very life that he lived as the slave of God on this earth. It is... Uh, To see Christ in this way is truly marvelous. We appreciate him as a person so much, but we have to realize this one is now dwelling within us to impart into us everything that he is, to, as you said, Chris, give us himself as our inheritance so that we may serve God as he did as a slave to carry out God's economy. God needs many slaves. God needs... Uh, people who will not regard the high things, who will not seek outward majesty and glory, but are willing to be lowly persons serving God together in a coordinated and corporate way, coordinating with one another in a lowly way. Even uh, there are a number of verses in the New Testament that says we should be lowly in mind. Right. Uh, Normally, we are high-minded. We regard ourselves very highly. We think highly of ourselves, and we think less of others. But the Lord as a slave was not like this. He took the lowest place so that he could serve God and carry out God's purpose. You know, a lot of messages are given about uh, the fact that we are to be co-kings with him. And that's true. We see that in Revelation, and uh, that's an aspect of our inheritance. But not many messages are given that we need to be co-slaves with him. So uh, we're touching the unpopular, but I don't know about you, Bob. I'm deeply touched by this portion in Mark. I am too, Chris. Good to have you here. hope you can join us for a number of our life study programs before we're through with the Gospel of Mark, Bob. And we hope also that you would contact us to get the printed life study messages I think you're getting a taste now for what uh, we have in this life study of Mark. And uh, if your uh, taste has been kindled and uh, you desire to have these messages to follow along with us, get into them in more detail, we hope you'll contact us. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Receive us into
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. These Life Study messages show us that every book of the Bible reveal that enjoying Him in this way will bring us to the goal of our salvation. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today. What is the church? The church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with him, and thus his body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.